I'm Dan Casper, and welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to talking about, well, a lot of things, mostly sports, mixed in with some other entertaining, interesting, unplugged, and unfiltered conversations. We'll debate, banter, analyze, and have some fun conversations that make you think and laugh. I'll be your host guiding each episode, and occasionally we'll have some guests with me. So kick back and join in on the latest conversations going on in the man cave. So let's do it. Let's get this episode started. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Dan Casper here, as always, guiding you through another episode of the podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. However you're tuning in, if it's on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, hell, we're all over the place. Hopefully you're subscribing for free. Hopefully you're following along. And uh, again, hey, don't forget to uh, to uh, give us that little bit of a rating on there a good rating on there so other people can find the man cave podcast uh brought to you by by the way ghost energy drink and dan the movie man for whenever we take the podcast out on the road so what are we going to be talking about on this podcast today we're going to talk a little combine we're going to talk a little baseball we're going to talk a little college hoops let's start with baseball though all right i want to get some shit off my chest surrounding baseball here um what the hell I, I you know i guess i shouldn't be i shouldn't be totally surprised with how it's all went down i caught myself in the trap right i caught myself in the trap was it on sunday when they extended the deadline or monday when they extended the deadline or something like that because they were you know like negotiating into the wee hours and the midnight oil was was you know burning and all that stuff and i and i fell into it i bought it thinking they were close they're gonna get a damn deal done they're gonna get there and oh nope sounded like it was more major league baseball pushing that narrative than uh, than what it really actually was going on in, in that sort of thing so here we are players locked out two first two series canceled and it doesn't i mean if i were a bet man now i would say more games are going to get canceled unless something completely changes because i mean this whole situation doesn't <laughs> i mean there's like nothing what what's a positive thing that we have taken away from this so far i don't i haven't heard one positive thing to come from these negotiations nothing the the biggest areas of disagreement are still huge gaps in between the two of them huge gaps in between the two of them the the collective or excuse me the i always want to say when i see cbt i always want to think collective bargaining but it's competitive balance tax that is the big thing out there and that's something that i i still kind of go back and forth on but you know i jeff passon's my dude when it comes to when it comes to baseball info and he has done the work on that thing he's done the work he's done the research whether competitive balance tax, if you know, does that really affect teams? Does it is uh, higher salary reflective to playoff teams and and World Series champions? He says he's done the math. I've tr- I trust Jeff when it comes to baseball stuff. He says there isn't, but you know, and now that we got to, what was there a, a report the other day that uh, this t- the Angels, the Tigers, the Reds, and the Diamondbacks were against 
um, you know, with the the competitive balance tax at like two hundred twenty twenty million, they want it lower than that. Now, if those were the only four to disagree with that, I mean, I don't know. I I I, I go back and forth on this thing, but I I feel like I'm I'm kind of going in the direction now that I'm I'm, I'm on the player side. I think. I'm kind of on the player side. And I hate picking sides. I just want to be on the fan side. I want games. I want that, you know, I want to be talking about free agent moves and, and trades and, and actual games and previewing games. But, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of on the side now too where maybe they're the competitive balance tax or yeah, competitive balance tax isn't uh how do I want to say this? Won't hurt small market teams as as much as I originally thought. Because, you know, I'm a Brewers fan. They're a smaller market team. And, you know, if you increase that that competitive balance tax, I, I guess I just assumed that would take those teams out. But if the numbers don't lie, they don't lie. And, you know, there's like no correlation between higher payrolls and, and, and playoffs and, and World Series or anything like that. Well, then let's increase it. Maybe force... Uh, the, the owners to spend a little bit more money. I, I think there's got to be that minimum, though, to it. You know, put the minimum there. Put the minimum for a competitive uh, uh, balance tax where teams have to at least spend a minimum amount. I don't know if teams will agree to that or not. I, I These owners seem to be stuck in their gear, you know, digging their heels in. But I think if you can have that minimum there, that would help alleviate some of the potential issues or, or some of the potential problems when it comes to that uh, that sort of stuff of, like, creating or making sure your teams are competitive enough to to get out there so or to, to feel a competitive team i should say but you know it's it's just a freaking mess right now it sounds like and it's frustrating as hell because i want to freaking talk about games and, and free agency and trades and and managerial decisions and and all this other stuff out there and we're not going to be able to to do that right now can't even do that right now and, you know, I know Rob Manfred is just kind of a, uh, you know, the voice of the owners, but that dude has got to learn awareness and, and knowing the situation, you know, don't go up to a presser and, and smile and laugh. I don't care if somebody said something funny or whatever, know the situation you're in. You know, I know the camera kind of caught him working on a golf swing and all that. And, you know, thought he was by himself. We've all done it. I've done it at the gas pump. I do it around my house. You know, you're working on that damn golf swing with no club. Know the situation, bro. Know the situation. Somebody has to teach this man how to, like, answer questions, talking without putting his foot in his mouth for crying out loud. I mean, he needs, like, a press secretary or something like that. It's frustrating, and that's where I could see where a lot of these players look at him, and they're freaking frustrated with him so much too so ah, i don't know when opening day is going to be it's supposed to be march 31st obviously that's not happening anymore i'm going to say it's sometime in may because you need that ramp up period for for these players you know i don't think it'll be like a full-on full-fledged spring training by any means but they got to do something you know to to kind of get some work in and into uh you know especially like the pitchers, right? They, they got to get some work in. They can't even talk to the coaches right now. None of these guys can. I feel bad for like some of the managers and the coaches because you can't talk to the players and they're kind of caught in the middle. And especially these younger or maybe these, these players who 
aren't well-established players that could be using this spring training to develop their craft and to solidify their jobs and spots on rosters. And they can't even do that right now. It's garbage, and you feel bad for them. You feel bad for them. It's billionaires arguing with millionaires right now, and it's freaking frustrating. Freaking frustrating. That's all I got to say about that. So, all right, tell you what. Um, so I got, uh, you know, I kind of got that off my chest a little bit, vented out a little bit about baseball. I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, just talk a little bit about the NFL Combine. All right, let, let's do that. Combine's going on right now as uh, as I'm recording this. It's been going on all week and will continue to go for the next few days here and uh, and all that sort of stuff. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the Combine here and how I think it gets, uh, how I think it gets, it, it's getting overrated. All right, to, to me, it's getting a little bit overrated. I'll explain coming up after this break. I wake up early every morning and the first thing I do is turn on the coffee maker. I need that caffeine to get my rise and grind going. But coffee wasn't just doing it anymore. I needed an extra kick. That's when I found Ghost Energy. First of all, the name stood out. I mean, come on, Ghost, Casper, you get it. But the main thing for me was the sugar. There's none and only five calories per can. See, I was never a fan of energy drinks because of all the sugar in them. But with Ghost Energy Drink, I don't have to worry about that. Plus, I get a little nostalgia because of their flavors like Orange Creamsicle, Sour Patch, and Warheads. Hey, rise and grind, people. Grab a Ghost and dominate the day. Hey, everyone. Dan here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Dan Casper, D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R. And hit the like and follow button on my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Casper Sports. So the NFL Combine is currently going on right now. You probably saw some of the uh, some of the 40-yard dashes, hand sizes, and all that good stuff, measurements, the underwear Olympics, as I like to call them. And we all know I'm a huge draft guy. I love the NFL draft. I love doing my mock drafts. I love, you know, doing a first round draft and then I'll do a seven round Packers mock draft. I love the draft, okay? And so you would think like I would be all about the NFL combine. Uh and and I'm not one of those that is like just sitting in front of the the TV and and and, and you know like just like constantly watching the combine and and watching these dashes and watching bench presses and cone drills and and all that sort of stuff and and honestly I mean I see the point to an extent but I think it's gotten overrated a little bit. I think it's gotten overrated a little bit. And I think a lot of it is just due to the NFL wanting to to cash in and get a little bit of extra money. You you know, I mean they moved the damn drills to prime time now so people can watch it. Um, and I think, you know, it's just certain events like the 40 yard dash has gotten so overhyped with speed in that. And, you know, when it comes to players, I only care about play speed. I only care about, you know, stuff like that. Does, does, does that mean like a 40 yard dash doesn't mean anything? I mean, it's straight line speed with no, no pads, right? It's, it's straight line speed with no helmet and, and all that sort of stuff. I want to see change of direction. I want to see, you know, the, the cone drills, I think that's better. The L drills, I mean, there's there's other drills that I think showcase, say, a player's potential or, or a player's, I, I should say, athletic ability better than a straight-on 40-yard dash. I just I feel like that's the case. It's great that, hey, we know this guy's fast. He has some makeup speed, deep threat, you know, whatever. 
But I want to see this dude change direction. I want to see this dude, you know, how's his hands? How is he in coverage? How is he going up against a wide receiver, you know, with some defense or something like that? There's more to it. This isn't the ultimate decider. And I feel like, I really feel like it's gotten to a point where casual fans, when they when they look at the combine and they look at, like, the these measurements, that that's like the tell-all for a lot of people. It's like, oh, dude, that guy ran a 4 Three forty, draft that guy. Speed, speed, speed. It's like the Al Davis thing, right? Towards the end, Hayward Bay. Remember? Uh, I mean, you just like drafting the fastest guys. It's like, who the hell? Is, what? What? Why that high? I feel like it, that's kind of what it's turning into. And I'm not saying that's what scouts are doing. I mean, scouts are doing their their homework. Teams are doing more homework than what we can see from the outside in. Obviously. But my thing with, with the Combine, and here's the thing. I would love to go to the Combine. That, that's on my bucket list. I know the NFL is talking about moving it and all that. I hope they don't because it's closer to me, and I've heard nothing but awesome and positive things when it comes to the Combine. So I, in, in Indy, that is. So I would love to go to it, and I would love to, I would love to experience it. So I hope I get that chance sometime soon. But I just... <sighs> There's a lot to it, too, that I think that they could adjust. And then they won't. The NFL never goes backwards in anything, right? They they don't change anything. They don't they don't go backwards. They don't, you know, adjust stuff a whole lot unless they think it's to improve it. But if it were me and I had the ability, if you will, to adjust some things when it came to the NFL, I would like it to include more players and more players that maybe don't get enough attention or, you know, those players that, hey, let's let's give them the shot because this might be their shot. You know, who knows? Some of these kids, you know, if they're coming from smaller schools, they got to hope to land on another school's pro day or, you know, maybe nobody's going to go to their pro day. So this might be their one shot. We know the lock first-round picks, you know, some of these dudes aren't even doing anything at the Combine besides the interviews. Keep doing that. That's fine, 100%. But I would like them to kind of, you know, bring in some of these other kids, these players, to, to kind of showcase what they got. Give them the opportunity. That, that to me, is what, what the combine should be. That, to me, is what it should all what it should be about. So I just, I would like to see that changed. I would like to see them add more. They've got the invite list. I think they could really help out, you know, some of these these college kids and give them the exposure there. But I don't think they will do that. I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe they will invite more people in that if if they move it across the country and such. But, you know, with with this hand size thing too, you know, everybody's freaking out about like Pickett and his hand size is only eight and a half inches. I mean, every time I hear hand size, I grab out the ruler and I measure my hand to see where it compares. By the way, I'm close to Kenny Pickett around there. I got Apparently small hands, I can't play quarterback in the NFL, uh, according to a lot of these people out there. So, okay, you hear small hand size, you hear quarterback, can't throw the ball, can't do this, can't do that. That's part of it. And I think that, that that's we're not getting a, a good enough in-depth explanation on some of this stuff. Because for me, when I hear that, if I'm a cold-weather team like in Buffalo or or somebody like that, okay, you got a dude with, with smaller hands, might have some issues when it's colder outside. Might have some issues when the elements are in play. A little bit of a wet ball or something like that. You know, tell us why. Tell the people why, you know, small hands are, are maybe a concern. 
you know, because now it's just kind of a joke site. And and it's not to say that the the kid can't play, but give the reasons why they might struggle a little bit. You know, he's got gloves on, okay? Kurt Warner played with gloves. Tom Brady, you know, had a glove on too. Aaron Rodgers got some, you know, hams. His hands are huge, apparently. He plays in cold weather. He can grip that football. He doesn't wear gloves. There's, you know, so there's, there's, we're getting, I should say we, but there's this narrative, and I think a lot of it has to do with, with Twitter and, 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 and Facebook and, and, and even like TV and such. Like, hey, small hand sizes, that's bad, that's negative, you know, get them out of there. Well, okay, maybe bad for this team. Colder weather usually plays in the elements, but maybe fits better with this one. It's it maybe team dependent. Some teams could take the guy off. Some, oh, okay, yep, oh, that's something that we'll we'll note or something like that. Same with like the forty yard dashes, like I was saying a little bit earlier. Okay, great, guys got speed, straight line speed, in tight, like take tops and 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 shorts. What does that tell me about him as a football player, though? Can he catch the football? Can he cover somebody? Without drawing a penalty? Can he track down a football? Can he high point it? Can he change the direction? You know, for offensive linemen, I mean, do they need to run the 40? You know, once in a while you'll see, like, I, I was it David Bakhtiari a couple years ago, running down the field, helping out on a block on an Aaron Jones thing? Great. But is that the almighty priority of a 40-yard dash for an offensive lineman? Hell no. No. And for the most part, not a lot of quarterbacks, unless the quarterback is, you know, dependent on their uh, on their speed in that. So, combine's a good thing. I think it could be adjusted a couple of different ways. Add more players, give them more of that exposure, and I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that they could add some more drills. Like, hey, let's put some pads on and and a helmet, and then that's how you catch your your you know run routes with those and catch a football with that. I want to see that. Right, I want to see that kind of stuff. I want to see like senior bowl practice stuff that way. I think that tells us a little bit more or gives us a little bit more about the player. And I understand the combine is is more of like a, you know, you're, you've watched these kids on tape, you want to talk to them in person, and you kind of want to like, all right, just double checking everything. This might be your first time to actually talk to them in person and such. That's fine. Keep that up. But I think we need a little bit more you know, more players there, but also let's adjust the drills a little bit. And, and, you know, let's, let's not overreact to 40 yard dash times and hand sizes too. Let's have some context involved with it. Just my thoughts. All right. One more break. We're going to talk some college hoops coming up after this quick break. The man cave podcast is hitting the road and recording episodes at your favorite locations. But we needed a little bit of help moving around the equipment from location to location. So we brought in the experts from Dan the Moving Man. Whether we're broadcasting locally or from a longer distance, Dan the Moving Man is with us every step of the way. And that can go for you as well. Dan the Moving Man is the moving service you can count on. They offer a wide range of moving-related services to help better serve you. So when you see us in the Man Cave podcast out on the road at your favorite locations, it's because of the help that we received from Dan the Moving Man. And you can get that same help. Just visit danthemovingman.com for more information. Just a quick time out to remind you to subscribe and follow the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. All right, back to the episode. So now that the calendar has slipped over into March, we are getting closer and closer to some March Madness, which means brackets. 
college hoops tourney time is almost here wrapping up the regular season then we got the conference tournaments coming up next week then selection sunday and then we get the brackets brackets love brackets love me some brackets remember doing my first bracket in school writing it out on a on a, one of those spiral notepad pieces of paper and all that sort of stuff and i've been addicted ever since and uh you know couple things that you know we'll, we'll make picks for for brackets and all that when we get closer but the thing that i want to talk about with with college hoops here is a couple things i want to talk about my badgers i want to talk about my underrated wisconsin badgers overlooked wisconsin badgers and before you say dude they're ranked in the top 10 they're going to be a two seed on, on their current path i'll tell you why they're still overrated and or not overrated overlooked and underappreciated okay but before before that we got uh, we got Coach K who's calling it a career this weekend. Uh, you know, if there was a there was a job that I probably you know I don't know if I'd want to try to be the next guy up would be what Shire's got to do for for Co- for for Duke. I mean, you know, you could say like Bill Belichick. I mean, you could go through a bunch of lists of coaches that had to fill the shoes of some legendary coaches, right? At any sport, at any level, but Coach K. I mean, you're talking about like, you know, in college is a different animal, right? It might be Nick Saban now at Alabama for the, uh, for you know the the president the precedent that he's setting down there, but I think it's a little bit more too you know more difficult in college to kind of come in and, and replace a legend, right? In pro sports, at least you've got free agency, you've got you know drafts and, and trades and all that. College is all about the recruiting. College is all about getting you know it's kind of like being the a salesperson and, and, and getting your pitch out there and, and trying to get these kids to come to your program. So now that Coach K is calling it a career, I'll be really curious to see how Duke is affected or if they will be affected. Uh, you know, is it going to be down for a little bit, that sort of stuff? I, I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's big, big, big shoes to fill for Coach K, who I think is going to go down as – the best uh, college basketball coach of all time, and that's not a knock on Wooden. That's not a knock on Gino Ariyama or Pat Summit. Those are goats too, all-time greats right there. But you you look at Coach K, and I would even put Coach K as maybe as the best basketball coach of all time, because at least we got to see him with the Olympics with the pros. And and I know some of the naysayers are going to say, "Well, look at all that freaking talent on that Olympic teams." And yeah, you're right. He also had to, you know, deal with all the egos and all that talent and, and that sort of stuff too. But I I think I probably would put Coach K as the best basketball coach of all time. Him and uh, you know, I'd put John Wood up there, Pat Summit, Ariyama, and then I'd put Phil Jackson uh in, in there. But you cannot deny the results that Coach K has had in different eras of college basketball too, right? You know, when he first get in got in there uh, you know, you had guys that were able to commit and, and play three, four years. Now the the landscape of college sports, the landscape of college basketball has changed dramatically. It's changed dramatically. One and dones, um, you know, NILs, all that sort of stuff. It's completely different than what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago right now. And, you know, dude's still winning. He might even win the whole damn thing again, you know, going out, you know, this year. So, I just think that that job and, you know, nobody's going to turn down a head coaching job, especially like Shire, who's, you know, played there, played under Coach K. He gets that opportunity. He ain't going to turn it down. 
But holy shit, is there going to be a lot of pressure on there. That is some huge, huge ass shoes to try to fill with uh, with Coach K no longer going to be there. But uh, I know it's his final home game coming up here. Uh, we'll see how deep they go in the tournament. But, you know, my Badgers with a huge win against Purdue the other night. I love this team. This is a young team besides Brad Davison uh, that plays like a veteran team. you got a true freshman point guard, Chucky Hepburn, who freaking nailed the dagger bank shot. Bank was open. Um, you know, he's he's a true freshman point guard playing like a veteran. Johnny Davis is a, a national player of the year candidate. Tyler Wall, uh, you know, junior, but taking a big step this year. Steven Kroll, big man down there. He's gotten better as the season has progressed, like Chucky Hepburn. And then you got Greg Gard. I mean, you want to talk about a damn story here. Greg Gard, you think about these last couple years. You want to talk about replacing legends and big shoes, right? Bo Ryan's at the pedestal. He's at the top for Wisconsin basketball. Greg Gard, his longtime assistant, takes over. And, you know, it's got off to a great start right away this first couple of years. But there were still people kind of wondering whether he was going to be the dude, right? Whether he was going to be the guy that, that could be the long-term fixture there. And then you look at the last couple of years. Kobe King, highly touted in-state prospect, goes to Wisconsin, ends up leaving the program. There's questions. Why? You know, what's going on there? Badger basketball ends up playing better after he leaves the program. They're playing hot. Big Ten champs. Getting ready for the for the tournament, COVID hits, no tournament. Now, they were simulation champs, according to ESPN, but you had that. And then you had last year the recorded meeting with his seniors that was edited to make Greg Gard look bad. Then it was released to the media. You had that floating out there. I mean, just drama all over. And then you talk about the fans. They're you know, at certain points. They've been so hot and cold with him, putting out on the dorms to say fire guard and all that other stuff. And then you look how he rebounded, especially after that, after the recorded tape gate, whatever the hell the recorded edited tape gate that we're going to call this thing comes out. And, you know, I remember we, we had a discussion on the radio show. What are the expectations for this team? Nobody really knew, you know, we knew Giant Davis was a good player, but coming in the sophomore year, Brad Davidson coming back, has been up and down. True freshman point guard, don't know what you got in there. Stephen Kroll's a young big man down there, don't know too much about Tyler Wall. We didn't know what to expect. Nobody knew what to expect. That's why they were they were picked 10th in, in the Big Ten. Now they're regular season Big Ten champs. They swept Purdue. Purdue team that a lot of people think could go to the Final Four, thought could go to the Final Four. Oh, you know what I mean? So Greg Gard needs to be talked about as National Coach of the Year. He needs to be put in there. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think the voters will vote for him. Some will. They'll probably go with Texas Tech, coach down there. But what the job that Greg Gard has done, considering what happened at the end of last year and the offseason the last couple of years, dude, there should be no questions about this man anymore. Dude knows how to coach. He knows how to coach up players. Johnny Davis, I don't know if he'll win uh, player of the year. That dude is special. And here's the thing. You're talking about a coach of the year candidate. You're talking about a player of the year candidate. And yet, people still will not respect Scani. Like, when I think about this team, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe them. You know, 2015 team, you got a player of the year. They were loaded with talent. They were a fun team. They were engaging, having fun, goofing around. This is just a grind-out team that... You know, got a player of the year, then they got some role players that kind of step up every other night. 
a coach that not a lot of people don't know a whole lot about outside the Big Ten, outside of Wisconsin. They get overlooked for whatever reason. Wisconsin has this thing attached to them because maybe they're not as flashy as some other teams and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter remains that this Wisconsin team is a Final Four legitimate team, a a legitimate Final Four team. Put some damn respect on this Wisconsin basketball team. They're not the flashiest team out there. They may not have the biggest, you know, recruits or the big names out there. But this is a team that has a, a coach of the year candidate, a player of the year candidate. This team should absolutely 100%, 100% be talked about as a Final Four contender. Some people are talking about them, the big names out there like the Seth Davises and the Jeff Goodmans and all that. But, you know, when it comes to Selection Sunday, there's a big part of me that almost feels like they're going to stick Wisconsin with a three seed. Even if, you know, even if they get out of the Big Ten Conference Tournament, say they only win one game or something like that, I still feel like they're going to punish Wisconsin. They're going to somehow put Purdue ahead of Wisconsin. That sort of garbage right there. But this Wisconsin team is a team that people are overlooking. They still aren't going to give enough credit to, even though they got a coach of the year. They got a player of the year. They beat Purdue twice this year. They swept them for crying out loud. Give this Badgers team some respect. This is a good team. They don't do it the flashiest ways. They don't even do it as flashy as their 2015 team. They just do it a blue-collar way. That's this Wisconsin Badger basketball team. Oh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, all right? Appreciate appreciate all of you uh, tuning in. Until next time, we'll chat with you next week, people. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the podcast, well, hopefully you liked it so you'll be back. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. We're practically everywhere. And if you're listening to somewhere like on iTunes, don't forget to give us a good rating so other people can find the podcast as well. And and tell your friends and family about us. And if you are a regular listener to the Man Cave Podcast, hey, appreciate the support, everyone. Appreciate the support. Again, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast, rate us, and tell your friends about the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper. We'll talk to you again next time.